It is time now for us to check in with Rob Shaw, political correspondent for Czech News. Good morning, Rob. Good morning, Simi. All right. We have to talk about this poll that came out. Like I always, you know, got to take any poll, I guess, with a grain of salt these days. But this this one is really something. Yeah, the usual proviso with polls, they sort of suck, you know, generally speaking, most of the time, we don't rely too much on any individual poll, because they are quite often sort of, you know, snapshots in, in history, <laughs> because when they were conducted, by the time they're out, they're either inaccurate or old. But anyways, this poll shows a really interesting uh, surge, apparently, by the BC Conservatives. So they've gone from a single digit, according uh, to previous polls in terms of uh, voter support, to now in this Main Street survey, the BC Conservative Party is at 21% leapfrogging ahead of the official opposition, BC United, which is at 18, and kind of, you know, uh, catching up to the NDP at 30%, uh, with 20% of voters still undecided. Now, there's a whole bunch of things that you can say about a poll that shows the conservatives or any single party going up by something like 19% from the, the last election results. But we're sort of looking in a broader sense at some of the trends that might be behind this, whether or not we want to dispute the actual numbers. And I think those trends are what have everyone in BC politics kind of talking and, and uh, whispering about this because they show things that could be very, very interesting in the next 13 months as we get ready for the provincial election. Okay. And so what was it that struck you about this? Well, I mean, if the BC Conservatives are going to surge to power like this, it looks like we have a kind of um, brand confusion situation going on between the federal and provincial parties. So the federal Conservatives, Pierre Polyevra, they're um, doing quite well in the polls. They are rising uh, significantly. And I talked to BC Conservative leader John Rustad yesterday, and he said, yeah, that, that's clearly some of it, that, that people and voters tend to confuse the two parties. You know, I talked to NDP ministers yeah. who go to the... They go door knocking and people say, why are you supporting, Je uh, you know, uh, Justin Trudeau in Ottawa? And it's like, no, no, that's, that's a different party. So you have some of that. You have confusion over uh, the BC United name change uh, from BC Liberal. People still don't know uh, who that is. Uh, and then you, you sort of have this continued sort of um, right wing kind of populist started with the trucker sort of, uh, you know, freedom convoy movement thing going on that. Uh, people seem to be galvanizing on that side uh, around a party that used to be in the past, maybe the BC Liberals, and there's now there's another option there for BC Conservatives. So right. all of those things add up to a very happy David Eby <laughs> and the BC NDP, because if this election was held with these numbers, there'd be another NDP majority likely and a whole bunch of vote splits on the right uh, between the Liberals, the United and the Conservatives that would uh, render them um, mostly useless. In, in a lot of writings. Let's talk about that name change issue for a moment with BC United, because is it possible that, I, I know they were saying that there's no good time to do this and they were just going to do it, they were going to plow ahead, but now that it has kind of coincided with the rise of the Conservatives on the national stage, is that adding to their problem now? Is it kind of exacerbating this issue of them reintroducing themselves, but also people are just naturally hearing more about conservatives and therefore associating the BC conservatives with that? Yeah, I think that's that's partly it. But, you know, let's say that the federal liberals' time in office is over. Let's just, you know, look at the polls and say that they may be 
facing defeat in the next election? Will that linkage, that brand confusion between BC Liberal and Federal Liberal would not help the BC Liberals if they hadn't changed their name anyways? People would be going up to them saying, we hate Justin Trudeau, and they're, they have nothing to do with that. So in their mind, it still makes sense to have made that change to avoid these brand confusion issues. But their problem without brand confusion is they have no brand at all. And um, that that is, I know that they're working on another significant ad buy to try and get their, their you know, new name out there again. Voters don't pay a lot of attention until right before they cast their ballot in an election campaign. So it's going to be a big uphill battle for them to try and, and get that out. And in the meantime, the BC Conservatives taking advantage of that. John Rustet has an, an uber aggressive uh, public relations tour going on right now. He's traveling more than, than Premier David Eby, and he's traveling more than uh, BC United leader Kevin Falcon. He's going through Kamloops today, Shushwap, Okanagan, Merritt, coming down to Vancouver, Victoria, Cowichan, up the island, back over to Vancouver for UBCM, Richmond, and the Tri Cities in Surrey. Like he is setting up constituency associations, fundraising, rallying volunteers, finding candidates, things that the previous BC Conservative leaders, whoever they were, didn't do very well. And so that setting of the underpin of, of kind of how a party works at a time when um, your opponents look a little bit weaker uh, is is certainly going to help Rustad in the future. Right. That, that was going to be my next question. Do they have the money to launch a serious bid for relevancy? Well, thanks to the NDP, they get a bunch of taxpayer money anyways, because the elimination of the corporate uh, and union donation structure now means the public subsidizes parties and the conservatives, because they get votes, um, get public money. And, you know, if we have another ultra right wing party emerge and get some votes, they're going to get money, too. So it's a perpetual cycle machine that begins to be created. The more votes you get, the more money you get, the more you can put into getting more votes. So I don't think money is their problem right now. And they're doing their, you know, fundraising away. I think the question is going to be their candidates. And if they are um, generally uh, baggage free, (laughs) we saw this in the two by-elections. Remember in June, you have one candidate for the conservatives in Langford, Juan de Fuca, a local realtor. He preached low taxes and a rail line, did really well, came in second, beat the BC United, came in second place to the NDP. And then the other candidate in Vancouver, Mount Pleasant, who ran a transphobic campaign got pummeled into the ground at fourth. And so I think that question is going to be top of mind, uh, you know, for the conservatives, who do you get, what are they standing for? And and how do you turn out money into votes when um, it depends on who you're voting for? Shaw, political correspondent for Czech News. Now we're also going to talk a little bit more about the government and what's going on with the healthcare situation right now. Rob, I saw that Adrian Dix had a press conference on Friday, but he talked about all sorts of different things. Yeah, Simi, when was the last time you put on a mask? Oof. Oh, it's got to be a few months. Yeah. Maybe I was on an airplane, maybe. I thought I was getting a cold, like somewhere around there, maybe months ago. Yeah, well, it looks like they're probably coming back. Uh, The government is strongly considering, and I think we're mostly all expecting, mandatory masks in healthcare settings to come back uh, from provincial health officer Dr. Bonnie Henry. A few hospitals in Ontario have done this already, sort of a combination of the flu and uh, season and COVID. Uh, and uh, Adrian Dix and Dr. Henry have uh, both indicated that that's a strong consideration going on right now. So we think we are going to get a update to government's sort of fall vaccination campaign this week, talking about flu shots, talking about uh, COVID shots, and part of that will include that uh, mask mandate. So. 
that is going to be a you know a bit of a shift for people if you're going into a healthcare facility or a hospital having to put one back on. But uh, that seems to be the, the direction we're heading as we get ready for the flu season. Have they been forthcoming about the number of rising COVID cases? Yeah, we're, we're seeing a, a tripling of COVID cases according to the latest numbers so far this month as uh, that, that tends to rise. We're seeing that same trend play out everywhere, basically across the world. We haven't had any more of that concerning variant, the BA 2.86 variant show up that was the first uh, in Canada, uh, a patient in Fraser Health. And that had a lot of people worried because it was a mutated version of Omicron and it could maybe have more serious symptoms. It hasn't popped up again, but uh, they're watching for that. And, and, you know, Adrian Dix was saying, look, our hospitals are overwhelmed right now. And now is typically um, before flu season starts is the time where it was supposed to be a little bit more quiet. We don't have quiet time in hospitals anymore. It's just jam-packed all year long. It's the new normal, he said, is this kind of max capacity running around, you know, um, stressed out uh, type of thing. So, that is not a great way to start flu season. It's not a great way to start another COVID run. Um, but uh, there's going to be a big push from government to get vaccinated. And I don't know. I mean, I, the vaccination uptake declines every time government offers another booster. And some people are on their fourth or fifth shot now. And it's going to be an uphill battle to get people to get the jab, I think, this this fall when a lot of folks have just stopped paying attention to COVID and thinking that they need to get a shot anyways. But but right. you do hear, and, and you know, Global had a story on the weekend about people getting COVID right now and how bad it is. You know, it feels worse than in previous times that they got it. So that might also incentivize people to get vaccinated. Also, I, I got the feeling that for quite a few months now, the government didn't want to talk about it, right? They were like, oh, no, no, it's fine. But now that they're talking about it again, I guess the question is, will people pay attention? Yeah, no government really talked about it, you know, federally uh, the, or other provinces. No one, everyone took a pause on talking about COVID. It's not that there weren't cases. It was just that people were done and they wanted to get back to some normalcy. Our, our mask mandate in healthcare settings ended, I think, in April. So it's been a, a period of kind of quiet since then. Uh, and now we're going to see if people want to talk about this again. Do they want to get vaccinated? Do they want to put masks on? Do they want to uh, face that kind of reality that COVID is, is probably always going to be here, kind of like the flu? And how are they going to respond to that? And I, I don't know. It'll be an interesting... Uh, test, I think, uh, for the healthcare system to see. And uh, the other question is about nurses who still uh, need to be vaccinated or can't come back to work. That mandatory vaccination never ended. And there is a question to the government as part of this campaign. Well, if fully vaccinated for a nurse means two vaccines, and some of us are now on our fourth and fifth shot, does that mandatory vaccination still make sense for them? Could we lift that? We're the only province in Canada that still has it and get hundreds of nurses back to work. Um, I think government's going to have to explain that a little bit now, too, because uh, it doesn't really make as much sense as it, as it no. used to be. No, it doesn't. So you get the sense that this is coming this week, that we're going to hear more about this? That seems to be the way Adrian uh, Dix indicated. But you, you know, you never know. Um, and uh, government uh, has a whole campaign that they intend to, to outline about the flu and COVID and how to go about this fall and we will uh, we'll watch for it because it'll be it'll be a big one. People will be influenced and, and kind of impacted by this uh, in the months ahead. And we haven't heard any more about uh, more cases involving this, this subvariant. No, no, we haven't, which I guess is good. But I think, uh, you know, Dr. Henry has said that the potential is that 
much like Omicron, you know, if we do see a lot of those cases, it could be a strong variant that, that maybe takes over or becomes a dominant variant. And that has people worried because of the heavy mutations could mean that it might have more serious symptoms or hospitalization. Not that we've seen that yet, but, you know, um, this is a constantly mutating uh, COVID, um, you know, virus that, that finds the strongest version. And then that strongest version takes over and we all check to see if our vaccinations hold up against it. So that's the big worry there. And the Americans in particular are taking a, they've had a lot of those cases and they're, they're quite worried about that variant. So I think it's only a matter of time before it sort of um, rises up here. Uh, mm-hmm. We're not, we're not on an island, although technically I am on an island over here in Victoria. <laughs> but there's ferry service here some days. Sometimes. And, uh, that, sometimes, and that variant will find its way over here too. So Also, since you mentioned this, I have to say, we were talking this morning about like the friendliest cities in Metro Vancouver. And I did get an email from a Victoria resident who said, as a frequent visitor to Metro Vancouver, I feel confident in saying that hands down the most friendly city is Saanich. How do you feel about that? <laughs> Saanich. Oh, I don't know. Why would you stop in Saanich? I'm not sure. He says That's... it's the most friendly city, Rob. Like, what, have you gone down there? Have you said hi to people? Do you smile at people when you walk down the street? Mostly you just drive through Saanich to somewhere else. Oh, you know? Well, you That's, don't send your uh, emails to Rob Shaw on that one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I'm don't. i not sure who's most friendly here. I would certainly not obey. That's the opposite of friendly. Oh, but, uh, look at you throwing the... that down. So you're saying not friendly is Oak Bay. Not friendly as Oak Bay, for sure, 100%. I think everyone would back me up on that. Oh, so what's friendly then over there? Maybe downtown Victoria because it's the least number of locals and you have more tourists and they tend to be friendlier. Rob, look at you. You're saying the locals are not friendly, that the tourists are the friendly ones? Well, you just get a, it's a lot easier to ask for help or talk to people when they're, than they're tourists than it is locals with their head down and their earbuds to pods in you know, walk into the bus. Wow. That's just the way it is. Rob Plus, Shaw needs you know, to run into some friendly people. So if you see Rob <laughs> Shaw out and about, please smile at him and give oh, him good. a wave. Rob, thank you. Okay, take care. That's Rob Shaw, political correspondent for Czech News. We'll find out if anybody has been friendly to him when we chat with him tomorrow, too. You want to weigh in on the whole friendly city discussion? Let's hear from you. You can call or text or buzzline. You can email me, simi at cknw.com.